1: Robert Griffin III, said what we're all thinking, but it's something we all won't admit, and that is, the new Top Gun movie is better than the original. It is, folks. It really is. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner alongside Troy Coverdale. Sage Williams is with us here today, and not just today, all this week. According to the schedule, Big Steve has put out privately, I don't know what he's up to all week. What is he up to? Is he got concerts all week? I don't think that's it. Is he off? I mean, yeah, I'm just kind of here
0: because I have nothing else to do. <laughs> no summer
1: hobbies for Sage?
0: I have summer hobbies, but it just turns out this week, it's I don't need to do them.
1: <laughs> Troy's hobbies don't change year round. It's what's going on with sports. He keeps up to date better than anybody I probably know. <laughs>
0: Oh, I don't know about that, but I tried. Well, news
1: around the world. He's well, also knowledgeable on that stuff as well. And I, I had the ideas like we. I remember when John was still here, we had the idea of when we hit a million listens on our podcast, we would play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. When that happened, it was a week like we hardly had any shows. Like the Royals were playing early. Um, I think, like, K-State Baseball was also kind of in the way. So, we like, the whole week we didn't have full shows. Mm -hmm. 30-minute shows, hour shows, it just didn't work out. And then we kind of put it on the back burner. We'll get to it during the summer. And then that didn't happen. So, when we get to 2 million, which, by the way, we are getting very close to that. Sage is going to look up the numbers right now, but I'm pretty sure we're getting very close to that. Our numbers are extremely good right now. Very happy to see that let's me know i think i'm doing something right yep, or we yeah. are doing something right sage gino we
0: have 1.84 million
1: okay so maybe we are a little further off than i thought we were but when we i think what we need to do is when we get to 2 million have troy play some uh either like Uh-oh. sports who wants to be a millionaire <laughs> not just like you know, don't simplify it just just sports in general cuz i think troy would be very good cuz he keeps up with hockey keeps up with baseball the nba like the, all the professional stuff yeah i think you'd be pretty good at it i would love to see how far you could go of course i'd put together the game right so then it would okay anyway. outside of sports what is your big hobby um or like you know like current events stuff like that like what what would be your no it, it,
0: it part of it is is it is my hobby i read you're a reader. I, I like to re- I like to read. What was the last book you read? Uh I'm in the process of reading one that is called Regan Land. And it, it's the fourth of a series that Rick Perlstein wrote, beginning with um the run up to the nineteen sixty four election. And it's focused specifically on uh the GOP's rise from the sixty four election, which was uh LBJ versus um and of course I blank on uh the then s- Arizona Senator. Um
1: You're talking of the sixty four election, is yeah, that what you said?
0: I said sixty four. So it was uh, why in the world did it? anyway. Uh, um, I,
1: I I don't have the answer for you.
0: I understand. Lyndon B. Anyway, Johnson. Uh, Hubert Humphrey, I don't know, I'm just uh, 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 No. Um The point being that he's done four books that Barry goldwater. Thank you. Trace that history from just before that election to into the uh, 1980 election and a little bit beyond in regards to Reagan's term in office. Holy crap. And Lyndon B. Oh, smoked wiped him. the floor, smoked him with this Goldwater fella. Goldwater fella. <laughs> final final score 486 to 52. The premise behind Perlstein's telling of the history is because the GOP did rise. And you saw Nixon have his two his uh, two terms, not full, but second term, of course, ended thanks to Watergate. You had the four years of Jimmy Carter. Hmm. Then you had the Reagan Revolution, essentially. And, and so Perlstein is, is going through with those books in just highlighting – where the trends were Republican party going into that presidential election with Goldwater and then what the trends have been since. And I'll be honest, there are so many things that are topical right now that when you realize that they've been a part of the uh, electoral uh, history of the country and are, are still such a factor the, The I've joked about, before on air briefly, the John Birch Society. Um, Bob Dylan even has a song called "The John Birch Society Blues," and you know some of the remnants of their build in the fifties and sixties still around today in in terms of po- the politics of what we are going through right now.
1: Is that the time? Like not to get too far into politics, of course, but. You- I ask him one simple question: What book is he reading? And we get two minutes of backstory about. We got the synopsis, ladies and gentlemen. the 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 footnote, or not the footnote. Uh, what am I thinking of? Um, anyway, the what, cliff's notes. The cliff notes. Yeah, footnote. Cliff.
0: Yeah. Hey, listen, I I forgot Goldwater. So you're.
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna ask. Is like, is, is that around the time like the the two sides I like, kind of flipped?
0: Somewhat, beliefs yeah. Or whatever. That 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 was somewhat in that time frame because yeah, okay. you did have the Civil Rights Act, and Goldwater yeah. voted against it. That was another big reason why the uh, why the '64 election was so heavily uh, in favor for LBJ. There were questions about Goldwater and uh, and race in terms of uh, his stance on it. And, yeah, the Southern strategy became something then discussed in the Nixon campaigns. I, just all of those types of things uh, add up to where we are now. And it's just interesting to me to go back and look at those things. Who knew Troy Coverdale was a
1: political historian? And this,
0: it is interesting to me. I'm glad you brought up civil rights because
1: oh. in a way that does jump into my, the, the first topic I wanted to bring up. And that is Verl Schweitzer. We found out over the weekend that he passed away on Saturday at the age of eighty nine. The, the last, I suppose, he was in the K State public eye when it came to sports was the Iowa State football game mm-hmm. because he was, I, I, in a way, he was on that day. Um, but uh, with the Trailblazers, but also with uh, he opened the locker room door and I got to announce his name. That was that was so cool. He got a just a thunderous ovation mm-hmm. inside of Bill Snyder Family Stadium because I that's got to be a name that every k-state fan that is you know i'm sure of a certain age has heard of that name um but no doubt about it an absolute trailblazer the first k-state football player on scholarship graduated in 53 he was the earliest pick in nfl draft history for k-state football and he still is fourth overall to the green bay packers and yeah he was the only black football player on that team and um I mean, yeah, an absolute trailblazer for the black community at K-State.
0: I haven't read the full coverage yet out of Green Bay, but I noticed that they were doing a good bit of coverage on him today in terms of the role he played in integrating the Packers.
1: Yeah, he was the only black player for the Green Bay Packers at that time as well. I don't know about the history of them prior to Verl Switzer, but at the time... He was the only black player for the Green Bay Packers. Now, he played for K-State from 51 to 53. So in you're talking three years. He was an All-American pick, not only a running back, but he was also a kick and punt returner. He still has um, his name up there on many lists when it comes to punt returns from touchdowns, which he had three. Um, he had tied for third, the longest punt return in K-State football history. He is 6th all-time in yards. He is 6th all-time in average punt return, which is 14.2 yards. And also at the time when he was here, Verl Schweitzer was one of just about 50 students that were black at K-State. And yes, during that time, he was one of many that received from the student body at K-State a lot of racial remarks, the use of the N-word. And I I was watching a video earlier today that Verl Schweitzer was on. As a matter of fact, I'll plug it right now. That video is on YouTube. It's called A Long Road African-American History at K-State. And Verl Schweitzer said when he heard those racial slurs directed towards him or somebody else, because he was also basically part of a fraternity that had all the black students in it. Mm -hmm. And he said that he never took... Those slurs directed towards him personally because they didn't know him personally. Mm. It was all just directed at the color of his skin. They didn't know him. Some probably didn't even know who he was. They didn't know that was Verl Schweitzer. K-State football at the time was very down. Only won one game his first two years. And then his third year at K-State, they go on to have a really good year. Won six games, beat Nebraska, beat Iowa State, beat Colorado, Kansas, Wichita. They were known as Wichita back then, mm-hmm. not Wichita State. Yep. Uh, but he also was, K State in 53 was the best punt return team in the country. And he was the reason for that. He ran for 558 yards, led K State in rushing. He had eight catches. And he scored eight touchdowns, scoring 49 points. He was another, again, All-American. But, you know, a lot of this might not have been possible, of course, with, without his talent, but also head coach Bill Meek, a white guy, who had spent his time prior to that in Maryland coaching, but it was because of him and not being racist that uh, played him, scholarshiped him, And really stuck his neck out for him, for uh, Verl Schweitzer, when it came to the East-West Shrine Bowl. Because back then, those of color did not play in that game. But Bill Meek talked to those involved and in charge of that game and said, listen, you can't have this game without Verl Schweitzer. So Verl Schweitzer got to play in that game. He was a co-captain of the West team, and he was runner-up for the MVP of that game. The Chicago Tribune played in the All-Star game. That game was against the Detroit Lions, Mm -hmm. and he got to play in that
0: game. It was always the uh, NFL champion against the college All-Stars. Yeah.
1: And the NFL champion at that time was, yes, the Detroit Lions. Maybe their last championship because we know their Super Bowl history. Yeah, well. <laughs> but after that, uh a, a short run in the NFL because he just played 2 years with the Green Bay Packers, went into the Air Force, and after the Air Force, tried to get back in the NFL, that didn't work out, so played in Canada for a while, played in uh Montreal, played in Calgary. And then he came back into the workforce. He would later come back and 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 uh Worked for Kansas State, but also was just monumental in starting a lot of groups. Ebony Theater, United Black Voices, Hispanic Advocacy Groups, Black Student Union. He was a trailblazer. So K-State fans and K-State family, we lost a trailblazer. And not just K-State Athletics, just Kansas State University overall. Lost a legend this weekend in Viral Schweitzer. I wish I got to meet him. I never did. I hope you did, because if you did, you got to hopefully shake his hand and meet a trailblazer and a legend that will always be up there in the highest ranks of Kansas State University.
0: One of the great twists to his story that I love, he's from Nicodemus, the African-American farming community out in northwestern Kansas. He had property out there still to this day. That was a community that he was still a major part of. He was still a part of the Kansas State community up until his passing. Those things meant a lot to him. And uh, the number of years that he served on campus as an administrator uh, and what he accomplished in terms of the minority programs and the outreach on campus. Uh, is, it, it, honestly, K-State doesn't have nearly the, even the welcoming atmosphere that it has now without a Viral Schweitzer. Yeah,
1: 100%. So our thoughts go out to his family and his friends as uh Weiss are passing away on Saturday at the age of 89 alright let's take a time out when do we come back Michael Beasley is back to playing basketball we'll try to jump into maybe a little bit of Royals since uh, you know Troy can easily get triggered that's coming up next <laughs> on the game Andre bringing us back into the game. Around this time tomorrow, we'll be speaking with K-State Soccer coach Mike Debini. Scheduled out. You just heard it from the update there from Troy Coverdale. But also, uh it'll be the first time we're talking to him on air since he had that stroke over over Christmas. And so we'll get a health update as well on uh, Coach Debini and just what's the latest going on with K-State Soccer. As we are um, a couple of months away. Yeah, that's right. Just a couple. I know football's three months away, but two months away is soccer. So that's how far we are away from uh, K State Sports again, because that'll be the first to kick off the uh, this new school year,
0: August sixth.
1: They're exactly two months from today. Oh boy! Yeah, exhibition, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, two exhibitions, eleven home matches. I believe that's the most mm-hmm. that K State's ever had in one season. That, of course, includes the one home exhibition. They'll be on the road in Wyoming as well. And I know you're all jolly about Northern Colorado making a visit <laughs> to the Little
0: Apple cuz your buddies
1: with the coach, right? Yep,
0: Tim Barrera has been there a long time. Tim was there uh, really as long as I've been there. He was there just a hair before wow. I got there. Uh took them from being a Division 2 program to an NCAA 1 is, and has had them in the tournament a few times as the Big Sky champion.
1: Also for tomorrow working on an interview for uh the AEW show and In Kansas City on Wednesday. I know, non wrestling fans, it's just one interview. We can chill. Um, But uh, we always do interviews. We always work with them when uh, the show's coming around. And so uh, we'll make that happen uh, coming up tomorrow. Which, by the way, I got to say, AEW Media Relations is the best media relations group I've ever worked with when it comes to organizing something. They're quick to get back, they are thorough, they are organized, well detailed they work with you. And that's awesome. The worst has been the Royals. I've tried multiple times to get something organized and they do not get back to you. So it's been quite annoying. But I got to say uh maybe they're also keeping a little bit more hush-hush because everything has been negative towards the Kansas City Royals. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Before we get too deep in that. What I just sent say? out the I just sent out the uh, retweet. I want you to see this video. Eastern Carolina or East Carolina? Dude strokes a home run, and he's looking at it. The umpire.
1: Oh, come on. I and, s- yeah, the, the umpire's giving him a little oh, bit of a
0: shove with his right down hand the in the lower back. Yeah. Get down the line. Get down the line. Uh, ECU Baseball sent out the tweet, apparently some people don't like to have fun.
1: Well, okay, so <laughs> what happened, um, was it with Oklahoma State? Was it Rock Riggio who hit a home run? Oh, geez, yes. And I don't know what he, like, for some reason people were... Up in arms about what he did you well tell us. The, the,
0: there's a couple reasons why the 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 first thing out of that is that he was around first base waving fans on to cheer mm. uh from oh. right field yeah which I wasn't mean, that bad it was the at home it was the little delicate uh maneuver that he made between second and third where kind of it was a little dance step hands were moving from left to right you know kind of just posing essentially with a little bit of a dance step from that point on Arkansas got fired up and kicked the crap out of them the rest of the night and that's why people got fired up as much as anything was they were like karma and i even noted yesterday they're down 12 nothing in what became their first game of the day that you know they hadn't scored since that home run and so a lot of people and i'll admit i was on the bandwagon on that one that was karma you know, Missouri State just came out and beat that crap out of them for three innings. Yeah, the
1: top three inning buzzsaw—that is Missouri State, twelve nothing score, and then Oklahoma Insane. State comes
0: back and puts up twenty-nine runs. Unbelievable! They scored
1: fifty—was it fifty-five runs in three games? Correct. At Oklahoma
0: State. Correct.
1: Good. Because Lord.
0: last night's—last uh, night was a fourteen ten final. That's crazy. And they play Arkansas again tonight. Yeah, all winner goes to the Super Regional. All of which, you know, their two previous meetings have been with both of them over 10 runs. So So
1: fans in Stillwater, get ready for a four-hour game. Winner goes to a Super Regional. I mean, no big deal.
0: Yeah. No big deal. It's a big game. Might as well drag it out. Um, Texas is through to the Supers. Oklahoma working on getting there. They're in Florida to take on uh, the Gators. Gators, yep. Uh, Texas Tech out. TCU out.
1: Yeah, TCU didn't do too well, did they? Well, no, was, they
0: got they got as far as yesterday and lost to and, and lost to AM. Okay. Who's through to the regionals. I just saw supers. early they lost at Notre Dame. Oh, that was Tech.
1: Oh, I'm okay, I'm getting it mixed up. Yeah, Bye-bye.
0: that that was down at Georgia Southern, and that was a weather delayed game to start with, uh or weather interrupted game. First game of the tournament for both, and uh that played a role, but to be perfectly honest. That wound up being a very good regional. Uh, Georgia Southern gave Tech a pretty good run uh, yesterday before they then had to turn around and and play Notre Dame last night. And Notre Dame had enough to be able to slip past them last night and, and make it to the Supers. Yeah, it shows how much I've been
1: keeping up with the regionals. <laughs> the most I know is because of Twitter letting me know that Oklahoma State in. in Arkansas slash Missouri State has just been insane when it comes oh, to offense.
0: was unreal. The other, the other one that uh, stood out, if you, if you want to talk about wild, was North Carolina the other evening where uh, their coach Forbes got kicked out uh, for arguing what essentially what should have been a infield fly call. But instead, the opponent, I believe it was Columbia, let it drop. And they got a double play out of it. The exact reason why you call infield fly, sure. they didn't. the umpires didn't call it, and Forbes, in arguing it, wound up getting tossed. Well, you know the rule. It's two games automatic suspension. So he wasn't even around to enjoy anything yesterday.
1: Do you have anything to say about the Royals? Anything you want to get off your chest while we're at it?
0: Inexplicably, yeah, inexplicably, Cal Eldred still has a job.
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: That's the easy one, right? Oh, my God. Chris Bubich, I will tip my cap to him. Performed well on Saturday. Came back, pitched a shutout. Uh, Interesting. I was listening to a podcast from last evening with Randy Jazaleri talking about something that Bubich said after the game, and it was noting that in his time at Omaha, they essentially were working on getting him to utilize his secondary pitch more his changeup more than his fastball which right now is pretty standard operating procedure in the majors if they're telling him that he's got working on that at triple a what are they being told at the major league level just keep pumping those fastballs in makes you wonder it's very, Royals, it's a very curious comment. The Royals very have lost fourteen
1: comment. of the last seventeen, and they do play tonight. They continue their home stand against the Blue
0: Jays, which means K. that you've got Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yes, and the Bichette kid. Means there'll be plenty of home runs tonight. 7-10
1: first pitch pregame starts at six thirty. I also wanted to bring up Michael Beasley, former Cat, of course, one season. Uh, but has spent 11 seasons in the NBA. However, he has not played since 2019. Michael Beasley has had... um, He's done a couple of interviews in the last couple of months. Really, the two interviews I saw were back in March. And apparently, Michael Beasley has been going through a rough time. He lost his mother, Mm. who passed away. And he's been dealing with, you know, just mental health issues. Uh, He said in a... um, in a podcast, how that, you know, he's tired of people stealing from him. He wasn't talking to anybody. Like, he, it was brought up, you know, Kevin Durant. They go back, of course, a long way. They're from the same area. They played for the same uh, AAU team. They're very good friends. But he, had, he hadn't even been talking to Kevin Durant. But he, he'd just been struggling for a while with these mental health issues. Mm. And maybe he just needed to recalibrate, chill out for a while, collect his thoughts worked through those issues, and now this kind of feels like, you know, don't call it a comeback, but in a way a comeback story. Michael Beasley had himself an interesting run in the NBA, like I mentioned, 11 seasons, and he played with the Heat, Timberwolves, the Suns, Knicks, Bucks, Lakers, and the Rockets. And his best year was his third year in the NBA with Minnesota, scoring 19 points a game. But after that, you know, he saw his starts really dwindle down. Didn't have the same kind of opportunities that he did previously in his previous three years when he was a, you know, a hot newcomer back in 2008, 2009 with the Miami Heat, where he was, you know, all rookie. But his starts go down, his numbers go down. And then before you know it, he's off to the playing with the Sharks in Shanghai in China. And, man, did he make a run in China, averaging in three seasons 29 points a game. Well, the comeback is he's making his return to China, and it's a seven-figure deal. And that's an excellent thing to hear about Michael Beasley, who hasn't played basketball, at least in the United States, hasn't played basketball since 2019. But he had a – I mean, he didn't even play. Like, he played – two minutes yeah. in a game in France. And that was like somewhat over the pandemic. And so, yeah, he really, truly hasn't played basketball in three years. So at the age of 33, which is also something to keep in mind, he's still, you know, he's got something left in the tank. That's Michael Beasley, the former number 2 draft pick back in 2008, the same spot where Kevin Durant went in 2007. He has another opportunity to make a lot of money and play basketball. Now, I didn't think he'd be much of a China person because, you know, he does like to smoke pot. Right. And that's not a secret. Right. I, I suggest if go look on YouTube and look up the Chris Gethard show that the episode that featured Michael Beasley, it's a show that didn't make a long run, but it was on like true TV. And I happened to be watching Impractical Jokers one night and all of a sudden this Chris Gethard show comes on. I'd never heard of it, but I recognized him because he was on a couple of episodes of The Office. And Michael Beasley is all of a sudden his guest. I was like, okay, I'm watching this show, and he is as high as a 747 that's going from New York City to L.A. And he didn't really say a whole lot. But I know over there in China, (laughs) there are pretty strict laws
0: against the stuff. Not as strict as Russia.
1: No, but the thing is, like, I was doing some reading earlier today about the laws, and I mean, it, it can go as far as like if you get caught selling it, and it's a huge amount, you can be put to death for it.
0: Over okay, there. maybe as harsh as Russia. Okay. I mean, yeah, mm, yeah. It,
1: it can get very I'm, serious. Uh, my
0: mind on Brittany Griner.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I now I get the reference.
0: Yeah, I don't even know what the latest is on that. I know there isn't much latest on I, that. That's the problem.
1: But, you know, it's, it's such great news for Michael Beasley, who, you know, during the pandemic was really struggling. Mental health, losing his mother, not playing basketball. It's great to see that he has these opportunities still available for him, which I know recently he had been with the Portland Trailblazers doing some summer ball. Obviously, that didn't pan out. But Michael Beasley is getting another crack at this basketball thing and making some great money. So, yes, you can call it a comeback story, but it's more than just basketball. All right, when we come back, I know Troy's going to be very interested in this one because it looks like the Denver Broncos are going to have some new ownership, and that's coming up next. It's funny that um, Sage is playing some Blondie as we come back because – and trying to get Lindsay, trying to talk her into going to New York City this summer. And the best time we could probably go is like in the middle of August. And I found out Blondie is playing two shows in New York City. And she said that she wouldn't be that interested. And I'm like, <laughs> no! That would be so much fun. It's on a pier. It's right there on the Hudson Ooh. in New York City. And it's like... It's at a bar that's like three stories high. So not only would you be on the Hudson River, it's going to be all lit up at night. And also you got the skyline right there. You're not too far from like where ground zero mm-hmm. is. And right around that area, the skyline is so beautiful. I was, I was a little heartbroken, but there's still plenty of things to do in New York City. I, I, I was going to say, concerts. Come on. I mean, you could find concerts all over the place. There's like 10 a night. In NYC, but of Blondie. bands people know.
0: But I don't know. Blondie. Blondie
1: is one of those, that it feels like, that might be my only shot of actually right? seeing that kind of band. Yeah. You know, somebody from the 70s that was real small time, CBGB, but had like multiple number ones, like made it out of that kind of scene, that punk scene, mm-hmm. like that would just be awesome. And they, They're a bunch of hits. A bunch of hits. People recognize their songs. Yep. All right, welcome back to the game. I'll get over her someday. I might just do it anyway and just make her go. <laughs> she can go, like, get drunk or something. She'll that's have a the fun. thing. It's She'll at a bar. a bar. Exactly. So it's I mean, fine. the drinks will be like ten bucks because uh, it's a very nice venue. But that's you know, all. We'd get over it. I was oh, thinking. Oh yeah, more maybe. More. More. Well, it's not Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas, you're yeah. a sucker if you're paying yeah. for drinks. By the way, yeah,
0: right? Yeah.
1: Just sit down at a slot machine and you can order yourself a Crown and Coke. They'll get it for you for free. Just tip them a buck. Right. And they're solid. But if you go to a bar and buy a drink, it's, uh, you know, it's amateur hour. Pretty much. Okay. um, Might have to change the uh, wording here on the the title here, Sage. For (laughs) Walmart is buying the Denver Broncos. Let's just say they're the favorite right now. It's not official, but. Rob is Walton, right? Rob Walton. Yes. Is, he's the one making the proposal who has a ton of money, that Walmart money. His folks started it all to buy the Denver Broncos. To me, that headline is hilarious. But I'm telling you, that's like the smartest investment you can make because he's going to pay the most that's ever been spent on a franchise in sports. And it's still going to be worth more money whenever he decides to get rid of it or his kids decide to get rid of it. Whenever that day comes, it's going to be worth a lot more than what they purchased it. It's going to be a fantastic return on investment because all franchises do is go up in value. It doesn't matter how good or bad they are.
0: $4.5 billion is what the price tag is. Oh, by the way. Because he is a Walton, that means he's the brother-in-law of one Los Angeles Rams owner and stadium owner, Stan Kroenke. It will turn Denver, by the way, into a community where three of the four major sports teams are owned by Walmart heirs.
1: Now, if they were to turn it into like uh, turn Mile Eye into like Walmart Stadium,
0: uh, someone already is out with a uh, with a logo for Great Value Stadium. Yes, <laughs> Great Value. Uh. <laughs> That's here's funny. The, here's the 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 one tidbit though that folks around here don't know, and that is he and his discussions. Rob Walton in some of his discussions is looking potentially to put a stadium out. He would like to follow Krunkie's lead. And have his own stadium along the lines of what? Uh, what is it? SoFi Stadium uh, yep. out in L.A. He'd yes. like to. He'd like to have a similar facility rather than the current iteration of Mile High. He'd want to put it out by the airport. Is Mile High as a stadium any good? It is. It is. It's a very well designed stadium. Very very solid. And in fact, in many ways, it was. State of the art when it was built in that moment. Um, but how old is it? Yeah, you, now you're talking. It's getting to be 20 years.
1: Oh, okay. It's. I thought it was older than that.
0: No, mm-mm. no, no. This isn't the original Mile High. Remember, the original well, Mile High doesn't exist anymore. They.
1: I'll be honest with you. I don't even. I was nine. Wow. Let me let me look it up because I'm pretty sure. Okay, so Mile High was built... The original Mile
0: High was built in the okay, so 40s. thousand one. so
1: 2001. And I, this
0: version was 2001. I would have been 10 when it opened. Okay. So, yeah, that's why I don't have
1: recollection of when the stadium was possibly built. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so it's not that old. No, it's not. Um, now, there will be changes, of course, made to the stadium once
0: Walmart does take over. Well, not only that, but uh, the, the, sta- the stadium isn't the Broncos. The city owns the stadium, or I should say, the Denver Stadium District owns the stadium. They also own Coors Field. Um, taxpayer paid for facilities, and they get certain amount of money. Then do the franchises for or certain uh, certain levels of upgrades each year. But all these
1: concession stands are that appear to be in that stadium. How many will be open? Yeah. Right. Will you have to self-check out?
0: <laughs>
1: right. Now, if you want, let's say, a a jersey that's on the top shelf, you know, they got to get that hook out to get it down, will you even be able to find somebody to help you out? That's an electronics-like video game joke. So, or somebody's got to open the cabinet and yeah. get it out.
0: Yeah, you can't find anybody to do that for you. John Elway will be greeting people at the at gate A. I don't know if you heard yet, Troy, but in the sporting
1: goods or in the um, – you know, in the, uh, the Denver Broncos store, there's going to be a DVD bin It's like $5. And in there, you'll be able to find like 2005 Divisional Champion highlight DVDs. But if you go deep enough, you might find a Super Bowl 50 yeah, right. highlight, fi- right. highlight
0: DVD. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, guess what? Denver fans have heard all of that already because of the fact that Stan Kroenke owns the Avalanche and the Nuggets. Will they
1: start selling camo jorts oh, and cut off? Okay, I'll stop there.
0: <sighs> at the team store? Yeah. That would.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Everything I'm coming up with when it comes to the stereotypes I can make fun of Denver Broncos for, it all goes at the team store.
0: <laughs> right? It's because, of course, it's a retail store. Right. Yeah. Where, where Fanatics stocks most of that at this point, I think there's probably limitations on what would happen
1: is is mile high is that is that grass is that a grass field it is will there be lawnmowers chained up outside the stadium
0: for sale uh probably not no <laughs> barbecue grills the All garden right. center
1: we'll take a timeout. we'll wrap up our one when we come back Finishing out one of the game with very significant news. This is big news. Just reading this now on uh, one of the Kansas City television news channels and uh, KCTV 5. That's the, can- uh, that's the uh, CBS affiliate. This article is a couple of days old, but I'm just now finding out about it. We now have a new closest waterburger to Manhattan, Kansas and it's actually, believe it or not, going to be the first to open that is actually owned by Patrick Mahomes. So I think there's one or two that's already open in the Mm -hmm. Casey area. Mm -hmm. They're actually not owned by Patrick Mahomes. This will be the first. And, guys, it's not too far away. It's in the Legends, the Legends area, and it's 10 – I don't even know how to say these addresses that have five numbers in them. <laughs> 10,780, I guess.
0: 10,780. Uh, 10, yeah, 10,780. 10, just an easier way to do it. Yep.
1: 10,780 Parallel Parkway, Wyandotte County, and the Legends. It opens up tomorrow, 11 a.m. Oh, you know, on my way back from AEW, because I'm going to do it when I come back. Go in there, it's going to be busy. Remember, Whataburger is 24 hours a day. Oh, boy. And Wednesday, I'm going to hit that up when I come back. And Lindsay's never been to a waterburger. So this will be her first experience because, yes, I talked her into going. She's not a wrestling fan, but she's going to go. <laughs> her brother's going to go as well. So that's big news. So no longer is the one like in Lee Summit or wherever it is, like South Kansas City. That's way out of the way of where everybody's going. This is on the way, guys. This is an easy exit off I-70, take a left by the speedway, go a couple of miles to the north, and there you have it. A Waterburger is right there. And if you haven't, go experience the number one overall pick in the game's fast food draft that was like a month ago, over a month ago now. All right, coming up in hour two, Michael Bishop, bless him. He is once again on a, uh, well, he's up for, you know, a big honor that he's been trying to get for years. Will he get it this time? Number one song of the day, Ask Us Anything, is all coming up. Hour two of the game with Sage, Troy, and myself up next. And also coming up here in seven seconds, your local news.